You are listening to the Exploring Family Business podcast brought to you by Mazars. I'm your host, Natalie Wright, Head of Family Business at Mazars UK. And having worked extensively with family businesses for a number of years, I'm keen to support this valuable sector of our society. At Mazars, we believe there is nothing more personal than a family business. Every family and every business are unique. So we look forward to sharing knowledge, insights and practical tips for those navigating the unique issues that arise from being in business with family. Now on with this week's show. Hello and welcome to the second season of Exploring Family Business with Mazars. Following the success and feedback of season one, we've decided to specifically focus this season on the important subject of succession planning. We'll be delving into issues around ownership, culture, managing family dynamics, engaging future leaders, as well as preserving personal and family wealth. And succession planning can be a very complex subject. It's got many moving parts, but if we strip it back, we're essentially talking about the process of transitioning the leadership, the management and the ownership of a business. But we know family businesses are different because of that family component. So the transition to the next generation has an added layer to think about, and a successful succession plan will have a determining effect, not only on the business, but on those family relationships. Today's episode will have more of a focus on how to prepare the business for succession. And next week, we'll be moving on to looking at how to prepare the family. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Alan Frost, a business consulting partner at Mazars. Alan grew up in a family business and now advises others in similar positions as they implement change, formulate growth strategies and transition to the next generation. Alan, for anyone who didn't tune into last season, can you introduce yourself and tell our listeners a bit about how you support family businesses? Hi, Natalie. Sure thing. Um, so my name is Alan Frost. And as Natalie mentioned, I'm a partner in the consulting division of Mazars, having joined the firm back in 2007. And I'm also a former family business owner as the third and final generation of that organization. Hopefully, I can add some personal experiences to my professional experience as a result. In the consulting function at Mazars, our team supports organizations in creating value in their business and achieving their goals, be it business goals or personal goals. And for many of our business, family business clients, this can often mean aspects other than just financial gain too which is really great to work on and support clients with as it's very rewarding. Thanks for that, Alan. I I think it's always useful to actually get insights from someone who's experienced what it can be like on the other side, as well as actually acting in that advisory capacity. So it's um, going to be good going through it with you today. So I think if we start off with something that was highlighted in our 2020 survey, and, and we often see these numbers thrown around, which is that, you know, it suggests that less than 50% of family businesses in the UK actually have a succession plan in place. Let's start with, why do you think that is? Well, that statistic actually doesn't surprise me, partly because there can often just be an expectation that the next generation will take on the business in whatever condition it is when their time comes. And I've seen that firsthand myself. There wasn't a feeling that there needed to be a succession plan because the succession plan was the next generation. For multi-generation businesses, I I just think it's an unwritten belief that your role is just to keep that business going for the next generation and probably to survive 
sometimes rather than thrive. I'm generalizing here, and I know that there'll be listeners out there that don't see that as being the case. But I think for all those listeners that don't feel that, they will be able to compare perhaps to a family business they know, whereby it's very much a case of keeping the lights on and keep it going. Succession in a, in a family business is also a very emotive topic. We know that families tend to live and breathe their businesses, both in the business, but also at home as well, consuming thoughts and conversations, even outside of, of working hours. Therefore, to talk about passing that business on to the next generation means to actually talk about letting something go. And in reality, talking about some of the greatest changes that we can all go through in our lives, which may mean, you know, the passing of family, family members, for example. And finally, I would say that family businesses carry an attachment like any other businesses. And so it's not only emotive from a change perspective, but also the idea that the next generation may be having very different ideas on where to take the business than yourself or where your parents took it, for example. And that can be hard to listen to and discuss as a family. Yeah, I think you're correct on all points there. And actually that not just the the emotive side but actually practically there's a lot to think about and you know having those discussions can often be very difficult so if we were starting at a basic level and obviously without completely oversimplifying something that can be incredibly complex and that is an ongoing process if the business doesn't have a succession plan in place, or at least if it's not been, you know, not formalised in any way, or it's not currently fit for purpose, what questions would you say need to be asked to help out that initial framework and to get the family really communicating in the right way? Well, given the emotive nature of a succession plan, I think we tend to find that the best way to start thinking about it is actually to discuss a more general business plan. And that way, the succession aspect just becomes an element of your business plan rather than the succession plan having a business plan attached to it as, as well. So by bringing all key family and potentially non-family members into the discussion on where the business is heading, what its aims, its value, its mission statement, et cetera, is what it stands for, it can be a perfect way to make that conversation around succession planning much more straightforward and natural as it becomes the plan to ensure that the business is achieving its goals more so than the plan to hand over the keys to somebody else and it ensures that actually we're aligning everybody's interests around the business not so much around the family surname it also allows those outgoing generations to pass on their knowledge and thought but in a safe environment around the business being at the heart of the conversation. So the succession plan, which needs to consider share structures, board governance, et cetera, then becomes less around blood links and, and surnames and who relationships in that respect. And it's more around the wider business environment, both macro and, and, and micro level. It's interesting, actually, in picking up on a point you mentioned there about looking at the business plan. So we see all these figures around X number of businesses or X percentage don't have a succession plan. I wonder actually what the percentage is that don't have a formal business plan and where that interacts as well, because we assume every business must have a business plan and they may have done it outset, but have they maintained that? So thinking about ownership then, and clearly that brings a lot of responsibility 
it's possibly not for everyone because you've got the heritage legacy to think about, especially if the family name's above the door or actually on the product. So if you suddenly find yourself in charge of a large workforce, you may have different views on future direction of the business, or you might just feel that it's been something that's bestowed upon you rather than something you want to take forward. So how do you ensure that the succession plan caters for the fact that you may have different individuals who are comfortable being shareholders, but not managers and vice versa? It's a good point. And, you know, succession in a family business, I would say, is harder than than anywhere else. You're dealing with potentially grief at the same time as dealing with significant changes across a business too. You know, there's not many businesses whereby or any other businesses whereby the succession may involve you still seeing the person who's who's whose desk that you're now occupying as a result on a on a daily basis or a weekly basis for lunch in a social environment. So it's a change that all your employees and even customers and suppliers are going to feel too. So, you know, preparing for it as thoroughly as possible not only allows the business to continue in the best possible vein, but also allows you time to react to that change properly too, which is important. We said at the start, there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach for the fact that younger generation shareholders effectively will be happy to reap the rewards of of, of business, but may not want to participate in the same degree as parents or, or older generations. And dealing with all of this sooner rather than later is essential. And there are solutions out there that can work for, for all stakeholders, be it through different dividend or bonus arrangements through to voting rights or seats on the board. But ultimately, what this all comes down to is how essential and important it is for family stakeholders to be really honest and frank with each other about what is important to them in life and then the contribution that they're either able or willing to give to that family business as a result. I can guarantee that there will be instances out there whereby there are family members who want to offer as much as possible and as much as their relatives have previously to the business, but they just don't know how best to contribute. And they feel frustrated by that as a result, but perhaps unable to voice it as a, as a concern. The, the other end of the spectrum is that there'll be those who have family connections and therefore feel that they're owed a living and a seat at the table by the business but without offering as much in terms of the contribution. So having those conversations and understanding where everybody is in that, in that spectrum, I think is absolutely essential. Absolutely. And so moving on to the actual process of succession then, and you did pick up on it just then actually, Alan, when we see that change of ownership or perhaps even just leadership, you know, if the two haven't coincided, how important is it to manage how it's perceived externally from an early stage and to show that you have buying from the wider team, from other stakeholders, and so that you're no longer viewed as the boss's children, let's say? Yeah, and I, and I was in this exact position. And when I look back, I, I think maybe I didn't leverage that to the greatest of potential, really, in that everybody has the time and, more importantly, the skill to make their own legacy in their business. And I see many people trying to create their own role and their own name and their own story much earlier than they really need to. I have massive sympathy. I understand that because lots of people don't want to be seen as their their mother or father's child. They want to be seen for who they are. I get that. But 
I would say don't be afraid to to ride on your previous generation's coattails for a period of time. Remember the, the the importance and the value that people place on a family business. And I can be quite confident in saying that everybody from either the wider team or outside, but be it your employees or your customers, suppliers or other stakeholders, will probably be thrilled to see that family business continue to another generation. So you will have their full support and they'll want you to do well. You know, don't feel that that pressure to to change the business model fundamentally on day one. I suppose let suppliers and customers remind remind you how fantastic your relatives were in the business, etc. But be true to your own values and the company's values, or the values that you've agreed as a as a family that should represent that business. Just because your parents gave a customer extra leniency on their credit terms doesn't mean that you now have to. But it also doesn't mean that you need to bring in a new receivables policy that you know brings everybody's credit terms down by 30 days examples such as this will allow you to naturally lose the tag of being the boss's son or daughter and allow you to be recognized as a leader which is most important i think that's really interesting point that you made regarding the using your leverage and actually don't be afraid to use that and then take time to make your market i think that's really valid point coming back to what you mentioned about values as well. So we know that businesses thrive when there are clear and shared objectives. And family businesses in particular are known for embedding the values throughout the business with their employees. You know, they're often part of the extended family. But how do you ensure that the business can stay true to its founding values, let's say, whilst also encompassing that vision and objectives of the next generation and potential changes that might be on the horizon? And how can it be tackled when you're also implementing your succession plan at the same time? Well, I think the earlier succession planning starts, then the more achievable it becomes. You mentioned, you know, growing upon the, the the foundations and the almost the values that the business has always had. Well, people have new ideas and younger generations we see it have got different values as a as a cohort, even forgetting the, the family nature. So there's nothing wrong with values changing as long as there's agreement, you know, as to to what they are and the, the rationale as to why they need to change. So, you know, the aim should be that succession happens over time, not overnight, and that it's delivered through your own agenda rather than being forced due to an event that causes a dramatic change to be to be made. I think this allows for smaller changes to be implemented into a business and for culture to be maintained or nurtured in a way that suits the vision of the incoming generation, but doesn't move the outgoing generation aside. In order to be able to achieve that, because it's quite easy for me to stand here and say that, it's another thing doing it in practice, you need real clarity around roles, responsibilities, and how these plan to change over time. And that can be anything from shadowing more experienced members of of staff, working on the shop floor before appearing in the boardroom. All of this helps, you know, you you create those shared objectives and and really show that, you know, you're not just in the role because, you know, you've got the right surname. You know, you, you really understand the business. And, and you, you you warrant that position. Can I just ask you something on the culture point? Because it just springs to mind, obviously, given everything that's happened over the last year, culture and the culture of a business has to be at the forefront now. Are you seeing 
kind of discussions around culture coming more to kind of you know the top of the planning when it it comes to discussions around succession who'll leave the business maybe it's not you know it's been expected that culture will be a kind of intrinsic in the business in the past but you now need to almost demonstrate it particularly if you're wanting to create that sustainable business attracting the right employees for the long term I think we're seeing it less in family businesses than others in all honesty because I think family business has always been ahead of the curve in terms of having that culture we see it so so often that you walk around and people do feel part of an extended family in a way that larger corporates or, or, or public sector clients, for example, that you know don't have that. So it, it, it's much more prevalent in those types of organizations than it is in, in family businesses because it, it seems to come a lot more naturally in terms of that culture. But you know, I, I, there have been, we have had conversations around how do we actually maintain, because family businesses have such a strong culture as we've gone through the pandemic and perhaps organizations have worked uh, less due to people being furloughed or they've worked more remotely and not had the same physical contact that they had previously. Conversations around how do we maintain that, that culture, that strong team spirit and family spirit that we've gen, you know, generated and garnered over years and years and years that we feel over the last 12 months has been hard to, to maintain. Again, every business is different in that respect and there's been different ideas of how, of how you do that. But it's tough. Yeah. Good to hear that family businesses are leading the way on that again there. So that, that's good news. And accepting that this is a huge subject to explore quite clearly, you know, we've touched the surface of things there. And there are nuances for each family, each business. If there were three practical things that the listeners could go away in action or at least add to the agenda for the next board meeting, could you give us three kind of specific points? It, it's really tough because, like I said, this isn't something that you can create overnight and trying to distill all the things that we've talked about at quite a high level into three points is hard, but let me, let me give it a go. I'd say number one would be starting to have some clear and open communication. Start having those conversations that are perhaps have been unspoken previously and really ask yourself if you're sure of what your family members want both from life and also from business, and therefore what they're able or willing to offer. Don't assume that everybody wants the part for them that you've got in mind, because it might not be the case. Then don't be too hard on yourself and appreciate that it's an ongoing process. Don't create a succession plan and then put it in the drawer, tick it off the list and say, well, it's done and we can refer to it when we need to. Your business is constantly changing. Life is constantly changing. And you need to plan ahead for the future of to future proof that success. I suppose the succession planning is an element of the business plan rather than the other way around. That takes away a lot of the emotion as well. Remember, and I suppose thirdly and finally, and associated with that, it would be then to start to to draw out that future structure. Process brings real clarity, and it can remove some of those emotional aspects of succession and lead to to better action too. You won't complete a succession plan in an afternoon, even you know, if you, away from the business. But begin to set out some timeframes in order to hold yourself and the family accountable. Outline what needs to happen by when, when people need to, to discuss things with further family members and come back and start 
understanding what everybody wants out of the business, but what everyone's prepared to put in. So, Thanks for that, Alan. I know it wasn't easy just coming up with three points, but really appreciate you sharing your insights with us today. And I'll be sure to leave your details in the show notes, along with a few useful links around succession planning that you've shared with me today. So that brings the first episode of the Exploring Family Business podcast season two to a close. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to the series and leave a review on iTunes. It will help us to extend our reach to the family business community. Join me next week when I'll be speaking with Russ Howarth, a family business consultant from the Family Business Partnership and host of the well-known Family Business Podcast. We'll be discussing the more emotive and personal side of succession, preparing the family. I look forward to sharing more with you then, but for now, thank you for listening.